This week's episode is brought to you by the Talkbuster podcast. Every episode, Chris Chipman and a guest reminisce of their time working for Blockbuster. Now, even if you've never worked for a Blockbuster, I guarantee you'll find the stories both hilarious and relatable. One of my personal favorite stories was when he had a guest retelling his time of working at a porn shop the day before Christmas when they were just packed to the gills. So listen to the Talkbuster podcast on all your favorite platforms today. Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Axel Wright, trying out my silky voice, and with me as always is... Man, your voice is... you like you belong on NPR. I'll take it. Anyway, <laughs> back to normal. Like, every time we do the intros for our bucklers, it's like, man, it's like NPR. Where, where's our little classical music going? This is NPR. Hey, I love it. I like experimenting with the, the tempo because tempo is a really big thing when you're delivering lines. I did theater for a little bit in high school and I am I'm a ham. I'll totally admit it. I, I'm an overactor. I would never be like the main character if I was a in a movie or something like that. But I'd be I'd be like a Willem Dafoe kind of character actor, you know, so I have fun with it. Imagine hey, you and Dre. That 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 is an image I cannot get out of my mind. You're welcome. How are you doing today before that image? <laughs> Uh, before that image, I was doing pretty good. I, I was in a good mood. Now it's just you in the sundress and heels and the sun hat. And it's, it's a lot to take in. See, you have to put the image in everyone's head, apparently. So <laughs> They don't know what you look like. Only our friends know you, and now they have that image in their head. What are you You're talking welcome. about? Our picture, like, for a long time on our YouTube videos was an artistic representation of both of us. A pretty accurate one, too. That is true, but no one ever watched our YouTube videos. Okay, I guess you're correct about that. Anyway, before we get into our topic today, uh, I have to do our Patreon sound off. And I want to because these people are awesome. These are people who are patrons and all that stuff. Ulrich takes care of the details. But all I know is that these guys make it so we can do what we are, you know, what we're doing. They help make this possible and we want to show our appreciation for them. And they are Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Reed D, Steven, and Arthur Crane. And if you'd like to become a Patreon, just head on over to Patreon, Geeks with Shields, Patreon. Man, I always mix up Patron, Patreon. Anyway, Geeks with Shields, Patreon, a dollar a month is 25 cents an episode. Actually, it could even be less per episode because sometimes we put out extra stuff. But it goes a long way towards helping us. You know, and by the way, if I say guys... To me, I'm from a place where guys is gender neutral, but I get that right now things are kind of shifting in a way yeah, away see, from that. So not, I, not my point is – in the weeds, but I yeah. always can, I think of guys as gender neutral term. My point though is if that – if someone doesn't like that, I apologize and I understand. It's just a habit for me. I'm working on it. Anyway, <laughs> so today we're here to do something I, – I don't remember the last time we did this. I know we've done it a few times. We're just doing a genre exploration. We've done it with uh, scary, like, horror movies before. We've done it with, like, action films. And today we're talking about the mystery genre. Yeah, this isn't going to be, like, one of our bigger, fuller episodes. We're just going to, you know, not talk about it. We're just going to kind of talk about it in general. What we like, what we don't like, good examples, bad examples, fun examples, so on and so forth. Exactly. And for the record, what got us started on this, because we, we plot out kind of what bucklers we wanted episodes we want to do and Ulrich because he has a bit more of a internet presence than me was listening to some podcast I don't which one Nerd was Goat it? podcast 
Nerdco podcast. Okay. And they were talking about uh, Sherlock Holmes, obviously the most famous fictional detective in existence. And they were talking about him in such a way that Ulrich, who, as we have, he has gone on record many times, is hates Batman. He was like, wait, Batman and Sherlock Holmes have a lot in common. Why do I like Sherlock Holmes and hate Batman? And he wanted that to be the 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 buckler but i was like well i don't hate batman so that's not really an easy i can't so instead we'll just talk about things so let's start there batman and sherlock holmes sherlock holmes as we established most famous fictional detective in existence right been played by i I think i remember reading somewhere that he's like the most portrayed fictional character other than like jesus that makes because they seem to like spit out a new sherlock holmes every five years because you know public domain and you don't have to advertise Sherlock because Sherlock's kind of one of those things that's through cultural osmosis everyone knows. Kind of like Cthulhu until we found out recently not like Cthulhu. More to come on that later. Yeah, true. I, I really want to talk about that. But anyway, yeah, Sherlock Holmes has been played by like over 70 actors in the in the 20th century alone, right? Or something like that, like on film. And there's one in particular who is like particular, uh, supposedly the greatest one who's – I don't know the actor's name, but I know it has – basil in it and that's why the great mouse detective is named basil as a reference to that actor but i thought it was the great, great mouse detective I'm like do you mean the great mouse detective because he lived on basil street and like there's actually someone named that interesting well no he lives on baker street basil oh, basil of baker street it's been a yeah. while since i've watched great mouse detective folks i was recently playing villainous with marquee and i of course i played radigan because it's goddamn vincent price voicing a rat version of Damn professor moriarty street. anyway so so sherlock holmes uh, first thing I'll say, growing up, right, I was in. I love mystery stories, but I don't actually like the mystery itself, right? Any mystery, whether it's in a game or in a movie or a book or anything, I am not because we've talked about how we are with like predicting things. So predicting things like doesn't bug me. So like a bad mystery uh, or an easy to figure out mystery isn't inherently a deal breaker for me. What makes a mystery interesting for me is the way in which it is solved. I mean, I grew up in a lot of Scooby-Doo, so – and those – Yeah, those are not literally know the outcome. But, yeah, yeah but it's you know like the it's one of every... these three people. It's probably the sketchy one. Exactly. Every Scooby-Doo episode, you already know what's going to happen before the end of it. So it's not about who's the bad guy. It's about how do they go about figuring it out. That's what's fun about it. So Sherlock, I always thought, was the same deal because my experience with Sherlock Holmes growing up was largely in uh, movies. I watched a lot of the old black and white ones. Uh, Great Mouse Detective, which was amazing. And then finally, when I was in high school, I went and read the first five actual Sherlock Holmes stories. The only ones I remember are uh, Lair and Scarlet and uh, The Point of Four. Or I might be saying the wrong titles. So, yeah, not a huge Sherlock fan at this point. I'm not going to claim it. But I will tell you that reading those books, I realized something. Sherlock Holmes is an amazing character, but as a literary detective, he is not effective he's effective as an in-world detective because he's just a superhero my problem with sherlock holmes stories is that they're all done from watson's perspective and that's fine except that what ends up happening is you go through things happen and then sherlock just shows up at the end of the story having done a bunch of stuff that watson wasn't privy to and just says oh here here's the bad guy here's what happened so you don't get walked through any of it and since the solving of the mystery is the most interesting thing to me, that's really disappointing, you know? Maybe we've read different ones, because I remember, like, he shows up at the end where he goes, elementary, my dear, Watson, and then breaks it down. Though I do agree, 
the Sherlock disappears halfway through the story and then comes back with all the answers. Worked for me as a kid, but in retrospect, it was like, no, 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 no. I want to know how you worked all this out, and I want to see you work all. I want to participate in the solving of this mystery to an extent. And if not that, and again, this is kind of what saves Sherlock Holmes now, and I, I don't know, I could be the only one, but a lot of times Sherlock Holmes were, worked for me so much as a kid because I couldn't conceive of how this was done through non-whatever supernatural means. It's like, okay, I know it's not, much like Scooby-Doo, but for a split second, I want it to be real. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. But I will say that the, this whole thing is why I always actually preferred Hercule Poirot. I cannot pronounce that because I can't speak French. But uh, <laughs> Funny name, dude. We, we all know uh, Murder on the Orient Express with the director of Thor, whose name I'm blanking on right Kenneth now. Kenneth Branagh. There you who go. There's, plays there's who we're talking about. so well, and I'm so psyched for another one. Uh, Agatha Christie is, to me, the goddamn master, right? My favorite mystery story, period. The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, which uh, if you haven't read it, man, I it's it's the ultimate example of I can't explain to you why it's good without completely killing the entire reason to read the book. So if you like mysteries that have an unexpected way about solving the mystery and figure out what's going on, read The Murder of Roger Ackroyd. It's amazing. But anyway, Anakoto Poro is basically the second most famous detective in the world, and Agatha Christie used him in a number of uh, stories. Uh, 33, now that I'm looking at it. <laughs> I didn't know he was in that many. Wow, it's been a long time since I read Agatha Christie. But he was always a lot better about we watching his process, because where Sherlock Holmes, who's a great character partially because he's so deranged, but Sherlock Holmes was like a consulting detective who had nothing but disdain for basically anyone else. Edgar Perot is more like a, an official detective. Like this is a basically a policeman going about the process, almost like uh, you know watching those kind of procedurals nowadays, but before such things existed. You know? Yeah, I mean, I have heard criticism of the procedurals today, and the reason that Sherlock and all the old ones worked was at the end when you got to the end of the mystery, you could track the dots and like, okay, it made sense. It never delved into the realm of unbelievableness which here's something i kind of find interesting i was thinking about it why is it so many mystery books are handed to us as children either that was my exposure i got a lot of uh, sherlock holmes from my grandfather but it was sherlock holmes the hardy boys nancy drew the boxcar kids all those various you know wonder why do you think they're given to kids and scooby-doo i mean being the prime example i think because kids come with a natural sense of wonder like, everything's a mystery to them. Literally, they are learning about the world, and they don't know a lot about it. So mystery stories are a way to teach them, hey, anything that you don't know about or that scares you or that frightens you, you can defeat it. You can explain it. You can learn how to be like this. That was always my thing about Scooby-Doo was, hey, the monsters you're scared of, there's an explanation. And if you're smart enough, you can find it. It's, it's a very powerful message, I think. And not mysteries that are non-Scooby-Doo are doing something very similar, I think, for kids. I also think that kids come with an inherent trust. Or not trust. They're, they're, they're willing, like, my, Hound of the Baskervilles was my first Sherlock Holmes, one of my favorite ones. And I'm like, okay, I know this is a mystery, but I that, that could legitimately be a demon dog. That, that I buy that. So the, the suspension of disbelief is already there for kids. Like, nope, I'm going with this until I'm proven wrong. So maybe that's why. And then they get to be like, wow, it did not 
totally think that was not a demon dog. That's cool. Yeah. Now, uh, just because I glossed over him, I want to talk about Batman for just a moment because I never thought about Batman as a detective until I started seeing, like, versions of him that they referred to as the world's greatest detective. And for some reason, that always bothered me. Now, again, I don't hate Batman like Ulrich does. I find that there are versions of Batman that are better and worse, depending, and that overall he's a little too effective of a character for, um, you know, he's a DC god, so not the point. But the idea of him as a detective always struck me as kind of, I mean, it's accurate. It's completely a literal what he does. I mean, the animated series was usually him trying to um, track down, like, where the villain – I think it was because in Batman's case, he almost always knows who the culprit is. So that part of the mystery they, question is answered from the beginning. Yeah, it's always... they forgot that he was a detective. Like, in a lot of those telling ones, like, when they made him, he's just the best at everything – which is kind of part of why I fell off Batman a lot in that, you know, and the, why the animated series works so well is they're like, hey, he's a detective. He's super smart, but here's how he did it. He just doesn't psychic it out of the air and go, because I'm Batman, I knew it was a Joker all along. Well, how'd you know that, Batman? I found three blue hairs. And from that, I was able to determine his entire plan. Get the yeah. fuck out. Yeah, but I think that's interesting for me. I'm literally just realizing this now is that with Batman mysteries, you, as far as I can tell, you always know who the villain is up front. The mystery solving isn't figuring out that the Joker did it because the Joker told you he did it. The mystery is figuring out, okay, where's the Joker hiding? What is his actual plan? How do I get around his traps? So since I grew up on mysteries where the entire – I mean there's a reason they're called whodunits, right? The entire thing is who did it. Batman mysteries circumvent that entirely by being like, all right, we no longer care about who did it because they're going to tell you that they did it. It's now find them and stop them. It's the Scooby-Doo formula in that even as kids, we knew who the monster was, but we weren't always sure as to the why, and we didn't know how they were going to catch them. And I think that's what makes a lot of those Scooby-Doo, original Scooby-Doo's work, is you're like, well, the monster design was cool. Let's be honest. A lot of what makes early Scooby-Doo and Lots of Scooby-Doo work is the monster design's really cool, and we want to see how they make that happen. Not so much why groundskeeper Bob is smuggling diamonds from the children's there's always, hospital. There's almost always a real estate scam anyway. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, dark times in the 60s. Yeah. Did you ever play L.A. Noir? No. I remember it came out, but I wasn't sure if it ever was like anything that particularly interested me, because I like mysteries in that you know i'll watch almost any sherlock holmes tv series or movie or anything like that i still i enjoyed scooby-doo a lot as a kid my daughter's getting into it now which is kind of cool but no i've never really been like i've never I haven't picked up a mystery in a long time and i'm even less likely i don't really want to play a detective that's not my style of gaming yeah and it's funny because la noir is a game that i never beat but there is something really powerful in the the fantasy of being a detective and that that game is interesting because cole the detective you play as is uninteresting as a protagonist can get so like the actual quote-unquote narrative of that game is pretty weak and the gameplay of the game like when it comes to taking down people is also pretty weak but the actual like all right here's a crime scene Go around, find the evidence that you think's like important. Now choose a person to like bring in to interrogate and ask them questions based on what you wrote in your notebook. Like that stuff, 
that's powerful, and I really enjoyed that. Like, I think the only reason I didn't finish it was because I literally got kind of bored of the stuff around it. So I, I can feel the the appeal of being the detective and solving the mystery. Again, I think that comes from me being way more interested in the process than the the mystery itself. You know. Yeah, and one thing that I do think is interesting that has been brought up a lot of times from a lot of people is we don't see a lot of truly good mysteries anymore in that a lot of them just kind of rely on a lot of deus ex, a lot of superhero, no hyperbole here meant, uh, main characters. And the best explanation I've heard is that no one's smart enough to write a mystery anymore because you have to start with the end and work your way backwards and make sure all your math adds up. That's true. Also, I feel like I remember um, Kevin Smith talking about this when he was writing Red State. The audience is really smart. I know in general that, the, you know, the quote unquote, the, the men in black line of uh, the person is smart, people are dumb, ignorant, blah, 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 blah. And there's a lot we can say about society at large. But all that is besides the point. An audience, generally the movie going audience, at this point is so conditioned to how movies and stories work that intelligence aside, it's really easy to predict what's going to happen generally, right? Now, again, in my case, that doesn't matter because even if I predict it, I like watching the process. But I think for if a lot of people – If your characters are good, you'll follow along even if you know the ending. Yeah, or well, if something is good. There just has to be something to grip you, right? But I feel like for a lot of people, a pure mystery is you know li- lives or dies on your suspense while being involved in it, right? And – for a lot of people, figuring out what the ending is will kill said suspense, I think. Yeah, no, like uh, any of the commentary Alex Hirsch did on Gravity Falls, like he's talking about people figured out the big plot twist halfway through the first season. And I remember going, oh, man, what am I going to do now? They figured this out. They're not going to like it. And no, they still loved it. I mean, there were a few grumblers and they poked fun at that. But that always surprised me that people were paying close enough attention to figure that one out that soon on. Well, that's another thing is that all it takes is – uh, a couple people picking up on individual things and then talking to each other, and that's it. Like, done. It could also be the internet, and it's, you know, has kind of unified us in a way never before possible that maybe scares people from writing mysteries. In that, you know, it's harder right now, not only because you got to be smart, but because the collective mass of the internet will come together and figure it out in a matter of hours. Yeah, I do like that. We still do get them. I haven't seen Knives Out yet, but I've heard it's really good as far as mysteries are concerned. And like I said, we're getting another Hercule Poirot later this year. Now, it's interesting because Hercule Poirot, right, the, I don't know which story is getting adapted, uh, but we're that one's being based on an actual Agatha Christie story. So, of course, anyone who knows the story is going to know the ending. Knives Out is, as far as I know, an original and with really good reviews and so it's like there is still definitely an audience for good mystery but i do think there is something we said that it's hard to write good mystery compared to say writing a good action movie don't get me wrong there's a lot of skill in like choreography and figuring out like how to make an action scene um enjoyable and entertaining and different i'm not disparaging them at all but from a writing perspective of a like a screenplay you don't necessarily have to write an action movie like you have to write all the details of a mystery movie you know what i mean mystery movies are jenga towers in that if you get one thing wrong the whole thing comes collapsing down on you that's why the last season of sherlock was terrible but to be fair the show itself was problematic up to that point anyway 
And actually, oddly enough, in hindsight, Elementary was a much better Sherlock Holmes adaptation than Sherlock oh, was. Oh, oh, good. I'm not alone on this because I never got into Sherlock. Like, I tried a couple times to seem like, this doesn't work. And Slagathor really got into Elementary. I'm like, wow, this is this is really good. And they're not even doing the now kiss part between Watson and Holmes. They just kind of yeah. let them be. No, I mean, I'm I'm the I did get into Sherlock. I loved the first three seasons of Sherlock. I still like them a lot. I don't think that they're necessarily great adaptations of Sherlock Holmes, and uh, and as the character that we as a culture see him as. I think they're actually pretty good adaptations of Sherlock Holmes, the character from the book, because of those problems I talked about earlier. But that's just the point. But Elementary was a lot more what I quote unquote want from a Sherlock Holmes character. I also watched seven seasons of house for the same reason because i can't believe there are some people out there who didn't actually pick up that house is a sherlock holmes character his name is i didn't get it i didn't get it until like the final season like oh wait a second god damn how'd i miss that and it's not seeing the forest for the trees basically yeah so but point is there there's a reason that character gets adapted a lot and i think there's a reason actually i'm hoping that the the next batman movie right like focuses on that because he is supposedly the world's greatest detective and we've talked about how we have these problems with batman being great at everything okay tone back some things he's great at but one thing he should be really good at is being a detective because he comes from you know gotham he's this kind of he's basically a noir detective as superhero already so instead of making making like a big action movie or uh you know like the kind of things they've already done make it a noir movie i'd be way more interested in that <laughs> Or make all of Axel's dreams come true and make a question movie. Yes, make the question. Uh, I I have a lot of – I know there's going to be some difficulties about certain leanings that the question character has. I think those could be circumvented because he's an awesome character. So – and in my ideal you know, personal image, uh, Jeffrey Combs plays him. It will never happen, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, let's just skip another Batman movie and go straight into some fresh blood. Anyway, we could talk about this for, like, most things as long as we want, but we just wanted an excuse to kind of talk about how we feel about mysteries and mystery novels and stuff. Also, Somerset from Seven is amazing. Anyway, I had to get that sentence in there. So, Ulrich, why don't you uh, tell us what platforms we're on? I know they know what the one that they're listening to us on, but we're on more than one, so. The platforms you can find us on are SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Now, if there is a platform that you want to hear us on that wasn't named, just drop us a line and we will look on to getting on there because we want to be wherever you are. And if you found this episode at all interesting and want us to talk more about mysteries or some other specific genre, maybe we could talk about musicals and Ulrich can basically be quiet while I rant and rave and talk for 20 minutes <laughs> or whatever other genre you're interested in let us know but for now this has been axel wright and his shoe brother lord commander Ulrich. be sure to tune in next time and as always stay honorable <laughs>